You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hi, everyone. Welcome to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco, and this is episode number 268. As always, I'm pleased and honored to have with us Peter Alchil, my good friend and colleague. Hi, Peter. What's going on? Hey, we're having spectacular weather here in Missouri, 82 degrees and sunny and breezy. And for three days, we're going to have great weather. Then it's going to get to 98 again. So we're we're happy here. You know what I'd like to hear reports on whenever I ask people what's going on in their part of the country? I'd like to hear a rain report for a change. We, we, would... we got we got a bunch of rain all all of all of last all of this week. Oh, I'm glad you're getting it because we have severe drought in the northeast. I think the southwest has severe drought. I hope that changes soon. I hope so too. Anyway, that, uh, we 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 got we got about two inches of rain in about uh, over the past four days, and St. Louis got nine inches of rain, nine inches of rain in uh, in twelve hours. Send so, it up here; we could use it. Yeah. Well. All right. Anyway, I, we're, <laughs> anyway, we're fine here. Glad to hear that, Peter. Let me offer some thanks before we introduce our special guest for this week's in perspective. I want to thank Raymond Gay, our producer. I want to thank Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline for posting our shows. I also want to thank the media sources. I want to thank the ACB community for participating and anybody else whom I I invited today, as well as Jacqueline Sylvia, our website designer. And I would like to make an apology to those people who did not receive last week's show in an ample amount of time. Our website was going through a company upgrade. It's a rare thing that happens, and nothing was playing until they completed that upgrade. It lasted about 72 hours. It was crazy. But anyway, thanks, Jackie, for archiving our programs on on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. And Mercy, I want to give it- Jackie. There yeah, you go, Mercy Jackie. Jackie. Yes, yeah. the late Al Hensel would be proud of you because she yeah. always said that too. <laughs> yeah. okay. Anyway, I want to give a shout out to a listener that I discovered a few days ago, Mr. Ray Naiman. J Naiman. Well, he, oh, okay, he spells it N A I M A N. Yeah, but it's J, not Ray. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, that's Brother Nigel Richards that you heard just now. He's going to be our guest today, and thank you for that correction, by the way, brother. I have another correction, brother. It's Nigel Reichards. There's no H in my last well, name. Well, okay. Let me explain. And, and this is going to be a bit of humor, folks. Let me explain why I called you Brother Nigel Richards. It's called Jaws. Yes, I know. Jaws pronounces your name Richards. I know. Now, I don't know if there's anything that can be done about that, but that's those are the breaks. And then again... My apologies once again, brother. It's a, it's a nuanced phenomenon. Uh, some of the voices mispronounce it that way. I've discovered that myself to my chagrin. But that's quite I... all right. What's, what's <laughs> funny about it, though, is you spell your name R-I-C-A-R-D-S. Yes. I know, uh, to me, that's Reichardt's. It is. But why does Jaws say Richards? I'll never forget that. They do have a phonetic code, but we won't dwell on that. Brother <laughs> Nigel, it's a pleasure having you back on In Perspective. For those of you who don't recall, he was on our Easter show on Good Friday talking about the significance of Easter. Hey, man, it's great and, to be uh, back. Bro, and we're glad to have you. You're going to be speaking today about the National Bible Conference of the Blind, as well as some related topics. 
It's actually the National Church Conference of the Blind, but yes, it is very Bible-centric and okay. uh, very, very well, Christ-centric. Well, so tell us how that started and what goes on at these conferences. Uh, actually, uh, I can only speak for my involvement. I'm not sure exactly the history behind it, uh, but my history is that I got involved uh, with the NCCB indirectly through my involvement with the Gospel Association for the Blind, which was started and launched by Dr. Ralph Montanus, who himself was blind. He was a blind broadcaster uh, who started and hosted his own radio program called That They Might See, and he started the Gospel Association for the Blind uh, that published, among other things, a Braille a periodical called the Gospel Messenger. And within the pages of the Gospel Messenger, I read about the National Church Conference of the Blind, uh, which I believe Dr. Montanus was part of. Um, Reverend Ben Watson was featured in several of the articles within that publication. He is also a, a key member of our conference. Um, anyway, uh, I was invited to participate in a camping event, camp meeting. Um, actually, the Gospel Association for the Blind uh, camp meeting, um, and the invitation came through the Gospel Messenger magazine. Anyway, it was whilst I was at camp that I met Pauline O'Hady, the um, membership secretary. I'm on her she- mailing list. Okay, great, great. So you do receive our... Um, Prayer requests. Yes. Anyway, so I met her at one of the Gospel Association for the Blind camps. Uh, specifically, uh, it was after they moved it to New Caney, Texas. Uh, they, we did start uh, the camps uh, for years. They were conducted at uh, Jaffrey Center, New Hampshire. Uh, and then... Uh, a few years ago, they were moved to uh, New Caney, Texas, and uh, they're now no longer um, hosting the camps there. The camp meetings no longer take place there. In fact, the Gospel Association for the Blind sadly no longer exists. Sorry um, to hear that. Well, the Lord has other, uh, you know, other ministries that are uh, continuing. Uh, despite the non-existence of this ministry, and the Lord just saw fit to uh, move on with those ministries, but the National Church Conference of the Blind continues. Um, it is an ad- generally it's an annual event. Uh, this year we'll be meeting uh, in in Texas, but in Dallas, not in New Caney. We'll be meeting in Dallas. What's the date? Uh, we begin officially on August 13th, uh, Sabbath, August 13th, and uh, conclude uh, Thursday, uh, the 19th, or excuse me, the 18th will be our last day. Um, a lot of a lot of the participants will be returning home on the 19th. I will remain though uh, through that. Uh, well, I'll be returning home on the 21st. How does one sign up? Uh, you can uh, either contact Pauline herself or you can go to our website, which is the NCCB, that's T-H-E-N-C-C-B dot com. And there's all kinds of information there 
um, to sign up. I don't know if registration is still open. It probably is. Um, in fact, I'm sure it is. I don't know when registration closes or even if it does prior to the 13th. But we do have some people. We have one person in particular I know who might be arriving late. Uh, but uh, you've had Duncan Holmes on your show. I know, uh, Brother Bob, uh, he is going to be participating with us. He's a, he's a vital member of our ministry as well. And well-respected. Yes, indeed, and he's an excellent, uh, excellently outstanding musician, and he will be, yes, he will be our keyboard musician, my understanding is, uh, he will be our keyboard entertainment during the banquet, the, which will take place Thursday evening, the 18th. So talk about what, uh, what a typical day of this camp involves, what, you know, what, what, what stuff happens at these, at these camps. It all depends on the day. This is uh, the uh, camp. This um, oh, the camps, uh, the Gospel Association for the Blind camps, which no longer it, take place. Or are you talking about? The no, I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking about the, the current camp that you're, you just you, you were yes, talking about. Yes, the conference, the uh, National Church Conference of the Blind, is uh, loaded with activities that uh, depend on the day. Typically, um, a weekday will start out with. Um, some reflections, some Bible teaching. Um, actually, before that, even there's uh, there's singing and prayer, and then there's Bible teaching, and then in the afternoon there is there is a workshop or uh, something of that of that nature. They'll have different workshops depending on the day, and in the evening there's more Bible study and uh, entertainment. So, for instance, Sunday we'll be meeting with. Uh, will be going off site away from the hotel for a meeting with uh, another church in the area and uh i believe that we'll be having lunch with them after their worship service and then um regist- uh, those who are registering can do so sunday afternoon actually registration begins uh, saturday morning uh but Registration will continue after the worship service. And then on Monday, uh, well, there, there will be a Sunday evening service, and then on Monday we'll begin uh, Monday through Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. There will be, um, as I said before, a worship that will include uh, prayer and singing. The choir will sing and invite others to join. And the hymnals are in Braille or large print, whichever the um, participant wishes uh, and expresses in the application that you know that, that that they fill out, whether they want Braille or large print for the hymnal, so they can follow along and uh, uh, that way. How are these services in the morning, afternoon, all day long? How, how does the timetable work? There on the are trip? services in the morning, and there are also uh, Bible studies in the evening. So there's both. Um, there's morning and evening services. Um, and the morning service, there's, there's some Bible study, and uh, there's an evening Bible study as well. Tuesday, though, will be, uh, will be the tour day. We will not be meeting, I, I misspoke, we will not be meeting for um, worship and music in the morning. We'll be going on a tour of the um, of a museum called the 
Institute for Creation Research. It's a, a Dallas uh, museum in Dallas. And Tuesday evening, I believe that's going to be our talent night, as I recall. Uh, each individual who wishes to participate by contributing his or her uh, talent, whether it's music, you know, singing or uh, karaoke or, um, you know, reading a poem or uh, reading portions of scripture and uh, giving commentary on them. Uh, well, that'll be Tuesday night. And Wednesday, as I said before, there's going to be a Bible study in the evening and Thursday will be our banquet. And Friday will be, see you later. People, you know, departure people will be leaving. Uh, and the MCM Alagante, the hotel is going to be very accommodating. They have, uh, uh, it's not limited to uh, NCCB participants, but they have, they offer um, a buffet breakfast every morning to all nice. guests. And, and yeah, uh, and presumably meals. Uh, how how do, so? Just a buffet breakfast. How do the other meals work? Um, on your own. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, talk about yeah. So I was I was curious. Uh, you 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 mentioned you got involved with this uh, project, you know, a while ago. How has this camp uh, influenced your life in your in your in your Christian journey? Well, first of all, I've had the opportunity through the National Church Conference of the Blind to meet other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, other people of faith, and um, relationships and friend, close friendships have sprung up in the wake of those meetings. Um, also, I have, um, as a result of them, grown in my walk with the Lord and my relationship with him. And I have also learned ways and means of tactfully presenting the gospel and sharing experiences with uh, others at the conference of um, of those opportunities of, and how I've used them. Could you re- remind us all, sort of your professional background, what you know, what 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 you do when you're not at camp? Sure. I well. I'm an engineer by degree. I graduated from the University of Florida with my degree in electrical engineering. I worked uh, with, well, I worked at IBM and Jay Naiman was a um, fellow employee. Uh, he moved to Boca Raton from New York. I, um, after IBM left Boca Raton, I went to work for the federal government and I'm now a retired Federal employee, but I also have my own wellness business right now. I market uh, products as an independent uh, wellness consultant with the Niken Corporation. So uh, I am also, of course, a prayer one of the prayer warriors uh, for the gospel or with the uh, National Church Conference of the Blind. And I also am involved with the. Uh, American Council Blind, as you know, we just completed our um, conference and convention, uh, our first ever hybrid event. Um, I'm also on the, I also serve on the board of the Braille Club, which is a local organization here in Palm Beach County. I'm very familiar with them. Yes, great, great. You must know Larry McDowell. I very well, yes. We're very blessed to have uh, Brother Larry with us serving as our president. Um, I'm also involved with the 
local chapter of, of the uh, Palm Beach County affiliate of the Florida Council of the Blind. And I do serve on the board of the Florida Council of the Blind. I'm also a member of the Braille Revival League of Florida, which is uh, an affiliate of the Florida Council of the Blind. It's also an affiliate of the ACB affiliate called the Braille Revival League. Um, so I guess you could say it's one affiliate with two parent organizations, and I, I serve on their board as well. So, so it keeps me busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, you, it sounds like you are busy. Talk, talk about your sort of your 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 sort of uh, your Christian walk. You know, uh, uh, presumably you 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 were involved with the church uh, down there yes. uh, in Florida. But sort of talk about uh, you know so how you came to faith and how how you've grown over the years. Actually, I attribute my uh, final conversion to the Ministry of the Gospel Association for the Blind uh, and their magazine, The Gospel Messenger. Uh, I came to faith in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior when I was at the University of Florida in my final year as a student there. And, uh, you know, I was always have been, well, I was a cradle Catholic um, you know, but for a long time, most of my um, adolescent and early, very early adult life, I was, uh, I guess you could say a religious Catholic, but my uh, faith journey began uh, to really, uh, you know, take shape um, in my final year in college. And then after graduation, of course, uh, things really started uh, taking off for me professionally as well as spiritually. So talk about your spiritual journey. You're obviously a busy guy doing engineering work at IBM, which, you know, which is a, a major, you know, uh, part of your life, obviously. Um, how, how did your spiritual, how did you connect the two, your, your sort of your IBM life and your spiritual life? Well, shortly after I moved to Boca Raton from Fort Lauderdale, I joined our local parish. Um, here in Boca Raton, which is called Ascension. It's part of the Palm Beach Diocese, uh, which actually at the time that I believe uh, we were still part of the Miami Archdiocese at the time, uh, it was after I joined that uh, the Palm Beach Diocese was formed and uh, Ascension Parish in Boca Raton uh, is part of that. And um, quite a few of the people that I met through um, my involvement with Ascension, of course, worked with IBM, and um, oh, I guess it was about a year and a half after I graduated from the University of Florida, I joined a ministry for people with disabilities, which was launched by fellow IBM employees, and I'm now active with that ministry. We typically have a retreat that meets um, well, it was once a year, and then it moved to being twice a year at the Duncan Memorial Center in uh, Delray Beach. It's a weekend event. It starts on a Friday evening and concludes Sunday afternoon, and uh, it works on the buddy system. Each candidate with a disability is accompanied by uh, an able-bodied buddy, we call them, that meets all of the needs of the person during the weekend because, you know, we have people in wheelchairs and also people who have maybe need assistance with eating and, 
you know, they're not able, they're not as independent because of their disability. So that that person during the weekend can focus on, uh, the spiritual aspect of the, of the retreat. Uh, it's a directed retreat. Uh, typically, um, a priest will serve as spiritual director and there will be leaders who will conduct the various, uh, you know, give the various talks, um, and, Bible studies and so forth during the weekend. Brother Nigel, a lot of people have testified as to individual experiences where they were saved by our Lord and Savior. Was yours an individual experience that happened to you? Yes, and I did uh, profess that uh, faith in Christ uh, in a public meeting. But yes, I came to know the Lord uh, through a, a personal challenge that I was going through, actually, and uh, through that challenge, the Lord was able to break through, um, I guess you could call it a wall that I had built up to um, defend myself against, uh, you know, shall we say, being hurt by others uh, because yes. of my disability and other things. But once the Lord broke that barrier down, uh, he was able to, you know, he was able to come in himself, you know, for a long time. I had professed Christianity. I thought that I had been saved, but I was really, it was more of a religious thing. Uh, it became a personal walk for me um, in January of the year that I graduated. And um, it just developed from there when I um, uh, attended a Life in the Spirit seminar. I publicly professed my faith in Christ. And um, so, yes, I did have a personal experience, and I'm now very happy to be part of his his church, his body here on earth. As you should be, yes. Amen. We all are. Amen. So, I, 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 you, you've mentioned uh, your your uh, connection with the Catholic Church. Yes. And um, my experience with uh, the sort of uh, born again the evangelical movement is that most of them are protestant yes um can you talk about uh you know uh you know i know i know i am not as educated in the catholic church but uh cl- clearly uh you y- you still go to the catholic church correct oh yes oh yes so so, I, so i mean how, how does that is is there a dissonance there i mean how does how do you deal with the fact that you know, again, most of the folks who I know who are born again are, you know, mm-hmm. Protestant, you know, Southern yes. Baptist or, you know, uh, Assembly of God or whatever. How, how do you right. how do you react to all that? There are differences, and you're absolutely right. Basically, the Bible is my ruling element of faith. Um, I practice my Catholic faith, or I, it's it's a means of expressing my faith, but. I do not, obviously, because they differ from Scripture, uh, practice everything that is taught in Catholicism, in modern-day Catholicism. Now, there have been a lot of changes since the Vatican, Second Vatican Council, which took place in 1962, from 1962 to 1965. A lot of changes, a lot of reforms were implemented. Could you point out some of them for us? One of them, the most particular one that I would like to point out is that there has been an emphasis on returning to scripture as the source of of teaching. In the past, 
the Bible was actually kept away from the laity. The laity were not allowed to read the Bible. This I wonder was, why. Well, because, well, it's, you know, I, I hate to say this, it's because the laity wanted to ascribe power and authority to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother would tell me that when she was growing up in Trinidad, um, she attended a convent school and they were told, oh, the Bible, that's for those Protestants. You need to stay away from that. Uh, anything you hear from the Bible uh, will be told you by uh, Father so-and-so or your local parish priest. Well, what they were not told, and my mother was not even made aware of it, and we are now told that everything that is, uh, that, you know, that takes place, uh, during the celebration of sacred liturgy, which we call the Mass, is from the Bible. Everything, you know, all the readings are from the Word of God. I yes. should say most of them. I should say most of them, not all. Well, them. I've been a uh, a member of the Catholic Church since the mid sixties. Yes, and even then, there were two portions of the Mass that gave yes. readings. Yes, from the Old Testament and the New Testament, Those and of course, one of the other readings was from the Holy Gospel, Those which is two. all part of the Bible. Those, exactly, exactly. And those are happening now. As a matter of fact, in 1970, I didn't realize it was this recent, but in 1970, there was some structure given to those readings and how those readings are presented. Um, there has always been, during the weekly Mass, um, two readings from the Old Testament, uh, specifically uh, one of the prophets, or uh, a historic book, and then the Psalms, one something from the, one of the Psalms, and then two readings from the New Testament. Um, one reading, which which is um, quite erroneously called the second reading, which is really the third reading. I, the reason I say that is that the second reading is really the responsorial of the Psalm, which is sung responsorially. It's not mm. read. Maybe that's it's not yes. just read. I guess maybe we, we have that between readings. Yes, maybe that's why they call it, uh, or they don't consider it a reading because it's something that's actually sung, but it is a reading, one way or the other. Anyway, so then we have the second reading, which is really the first reading from the New Testament, and then the celebrant of the liturgy gets up and reads from the Holy Gospel, which is, of course, the third or fourth reading. Correct. The second reading from the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, John, or Luke. Yes. And what happens is, what was started in 1970, as I said, that there's usually, um, uh, there is a um, something that took place in terms of system, systematizing or organizing the readings. Uh, the weekly masses are now uh, divided into a three-year cycle so that the synoptic gospels are featured uh, in years A, B, and C. So one year would be Matthew, the, the next year would be Mark, the third year would be Luke, and we are in year three or C, as they call it, of the three-year cycle right now. So we are in John is now. featured sometimes, though, I've noticed. Yes, and that's how it's going to get to that. The reason, okay, John is featured uh, or is read at some masses especially during year B, because St. Mark is such a short gospel, uh, the, some, some portions of St. John's gospel are woven into year B. 
why why is John de-emphasized? Except from the way you're describing it, uh, it, it seems that John is de-emphasized. Yet John is in some ways the most beloved uh, gospel. So I'm curious how how that works. Absolutely, uh, I would say that uh, there's not it's not a de-emphasis per se. It's I think maybe it's a means of teaching that the synoptic gospels are um, the you know the first three and Saint John is not considered a synoptic gospel per se, but it is because it is so much more than it's so so much deeper in a lot of ways than the others because uh, Saint John's gospel is not merely historical. The others are not merely historical either, but there's more history in the other ones, the synoptic ones, um, than is you know is in Saint John. Saint John focuses on certain highlights of the life and the teachings of our Lord. Earlier you mentioned about the emphasis on more studying of the Bible. I've seen that. Yes. Um, there are a lot more Bible studies, it seems, nowadays. Yes. yes. Among a lot of walks of life than there had been in the past. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the uh, Mother Angelica's network, uh, Eternal Word Television Network, or EWTN, as it's called, features quite a few of those Bible studies. Now, EWTN got started... Uh, of course, after the Second Vatican Council, 1981, um, I believe that's the year it started. Um, anyway, um, it's on channel. What is it? Nine. Uh, what is it now? On Comcast uh, 243, I believe it is uh, for Comcast viewers. Anyway, um, they have quite a few uh, programs that uh, feature Bible study. And, uh, it's, it's basically, it's ob- objective, it's, is to, uh, introduce people who are, would otherwise not understand what we as Catholics believe, and also just to, to reach out to those who might be seeking, uh, a relationship with the Lord, or yes. may not, may not even be, but leading them to that relationship. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely, a, on evangelical television and radio, uh, it's on all, all. It started out as a TV satellite program, but now there's or a network. But now the network includes uh, shortwave radio. There's um, uh, there's multimedia. You know the online, the internet. Uh, there's a, a way to access it via the internet. In fact, I don't even own a television set. I stream EWTN into my apartment here. You are listening to In Perspective, and today's guest is Brother Nigel Reichards. It's time for our community to get involved with our program and ask questions of our guests. So, Ray, if you can let everyone know how to do that, that would really be helpful. All right. And first up is Jane. Jane, welcome to In Perspective. Thank you very much. I was interested in your description of camp. I have gone to camps, oh, a lot of my life. Some of them I have loved and some I have shaken my head and walked away from. Mm. Just because that's what happens when you're growing up and trying, looking for pathways and places of learning and belonging. Sure. Anyway, I was interested because you said there were workshops, but you said nothing about what the afternoon workshops um, allowed and focused on. That was one thing I would like you to please talk about. 
And um, the other thing is, in, it, I am extremely thankful that God has become more real to people as we are willing to take the layers and the separateness away from the picture. I've had close friends who grew up in the Catholic Church, and I have loved dancing in the streets of them becoming who God wanted them to be, other than, well, the priest said so. Um, And all of us have to get shut of what we do because somebody who is an authoritarian figure says so, whether it's cultural or political or whatever. And I love it when more and more people say, I love you, Jesus, because you are my place of belonging. Amen. Anyway, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about um, workshops because people need to walk it and talk it and think it and do it and be it and all of that. So now I'm going to shut my mouth and listen. <laughs> Thank you so much Maybe. for sharing. Thank Fair you enough. for sharing. That, thanks, that's thanks Jay. Yep. Absolutely. I would say that, okay, now, again, uh, when we used to attend camp meeting, there were workshops. Um, and I still once in a while go to camp meetings, but the National Church Conference of the Blind is not a camp per se, but we do have, as you point out, the, the afternoon workshops. There will be one on Monday and another one on Wednesday. And to be perfectly candid, I don't know what uh, this year is going to be about. Typically, the workshop will feature one of our participants. Um, I think Renee Akins is one of them uh, who will be uh, hosting a workshop um, next month, or she might be hosting them both, I don't know. But they generally deal with uh, personal issues, uh, personal struggles that uh, might be common to those of us who are walking with Christ or trying to uh, develop uh, or make their walk closer with Christ and those obstacles that they encounter in the world. And um, it's, they're an opportunity to share how those challenges have been dealt with uh, by other participants within the workshop. Um, I'm not sure that I'm, that answers your question. It probably doesn't, but that's they're they're not specific uh, workshops in terms of um, every year it's the same subject, but they generally deal with. Uh, personal issues. They are not really part of the program. They're optional to those who wish to attend in the uh, afternoon. Usually, um, after the workshops are over, uh, the choir practices around the piano, but those who wish to um, practice their talent, whatever, who would rather not attend the workshop can do so in the afternoon. The morning services are somewhat mandatory. But the workshops are very optional. And as I say, I don't know what topics are going to be addressed this year. Uh, Brother Bob, you had actually our president. I served on a panel um, on the Good Friday 
if you remember the panel that you had assembled on Good Friday. And Karen Gerald. Karen Gerald, who is uh, NCCP president. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if she's with us this afternoon, either in person or by proxy. <laughs> yes. So shout out to Karen Gerald. Well, she's on our subscription list, so even if she's not here today, she will definitely hear the program. Amen. Amen. Be looking forward to seeing her uh, in two weeks. I can't believe it's two weeks away. I'll be leaving uh, for Dallas in two weeks. The um, conference officially begins the day after I arrive, the 13th. Okay. Ray, Ray. other. All okay. right. Next up is Ray Marcus. Oh, another Ray. Yes. Hi, Ray. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for having this call. I have two questions. Um, I came in a little late, and uh, those that can't attend in person, is there any way that we could attend on Zoom? Um, actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. They, uh, they don't have Zoom. We don't have a Zoom set up at the moment, but we do have recordings that can be listened to uh, after the event takes place. And um, I believe that the NCCB website, again, that's the NCCB, T-H-E-N-C-C-B dot com, will have those posted. So uh, we can't attend by uh, Zoom those who, you know, those who can't attend in person. But they can certainly attend um, virtually afterward, after the event. Okay, thank you. And my second question is, um, I'm a cradle Catholic, and uh, for a long time I was away from the Catholic Church. And then uh, when I hit my rock bottom, uh, Jesus saves me, and he still saves me to this day. And like I mentioned to people, either I'd be dead or in prison, you know. But anyway, I thank God every day. And my question is... um, uh, when I could see, I always had the New American Large Print Bible. Mm-hmm. And then when my vision got worse, I had my Large Print American Bible under my CCTV. That's how bad my vision is. Yes. But my question is, do you have a recommendation or a resource for something similar to or exactly like the New American Bible in audio? Um, let's see. When, when I had a Braille Bible, um, I used the King James Version. Uh, but I had to... Um, donate that to our local lighthouse because I went through some home renovation and right now um, I go online for scripture and uh, my favorite translation is the recovery version of the Bible not not the one that AA uses it's called the recovery version but it's a that's my favorite translation and um, the Braille Sense U2 has uh, three translations built into it. So I essentially have a Braille Bible now that I can use, but it's a, a soft, co- <laughs> it's a soft uh, copy, if you will. Uh, as far as audio is concerned, uh, or an audio New American, um, I would refer you to the Xavier Society for the Blind. Um, uh, can you spell the Xavier for me, please? Yes, it's X A V I O R. The Xavier Society for the Blind. Is it an ER? I thought it was no, ER. Uh, maybe it is. I'm sorry. X A V I E R. You're okay, right. I'm I think that's. I think that's correct. Yeah. That is. Yes. Yeah. They uh, two things I want to say. First of all, on the Xavier Society, they send me the propers of the monthly masses. Okay. They have them in Braille. 
Yes, All the properties. True. In other words, say I wanted to be a lector. I yes. can take what they send me and apply what's required at each mass. And what I do is uh, similar to that. I don't use the proppers. I just go to the USCCB website and look at the readings that are going to be used and read from my own Bible when I'm asked to when I when I'm called on to serve as lector. I bring my Bible. Right. And and Ray on the audio Bible, I have two. They're about the size of a transistor radio. They fit in your pocket. And all of the necessary adjustments, it all depends on which one you get. You can go from chapter to chapter, verse to verse, book to book, Old Testament, New Testament. And some of them are even operated through solar power. Wow. So they exist. I own two. And this is through the Xavier Society? No. Not the ones I own. One one of them came from a company called Speak to Me out of Oregon. All right. The other one, I think they call it the Wonder Bible, and I'm trying to think where that came from. But they're portable, they fit in a the pocket, they play clearly, clearly spoken words. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had one like that. It was uh, uh, Roadrunner, I believe, was the name of the company that produced it. And for some reason, you know, it just stopped working, and uh, several times I had to have it replaced. And... Uh, I basically stopped. In fact, I think I still have my Roadrunner Bible. I have to check it out and see if it, in fact, is dead uh, or if it's just the double A's that I put in that we're not uh, connecting somehow. Anyway, that's uh, thank you for uh, mentioning that because um, that's given me the incentive to uh, to see if I can somehow resurrect that talking Bible that I have. I had um, in this particular uh, generation. I don't know if they're still doing it now, but I had two versions. I had the New American Standard and um, I believe it was the New International Version um, installed. Because uh, there, so there were two different translate. Two translations could be carried in that that one little. Uh, it's smaller than a transistor radio. It's, it's amazing what technology can achieve now. I know. As I said the the Braille sense you too. Um, I can read my Bible in Braille now, and there are, I believe, three or four versions that are installed on that particular unit. It's not the size of a transistor radio, but it is a, a Braille display, and it also features audio. So if you, if you have, um, you know, if you have that unit, you can listen to scriptures audibly, or as I like to do, uh, read them on the Braille display. Okay. And just, and just for clar- and just for clarification, what was that word you said? Wonder. What was the other? Wonder text? Bible. Wonder Bible. Thank the you. The Wonder so Bible. Yes. Okay. And you all have a blessed day. Thank you. you Ray. Thank you, Ray. I hadn't uh, heard of that one, Brother Bob. Uh, thank you for telling me about it. The Wonder Bible. I'll have uh, to demonstrate it to you on the phone one day. Give me a yes. jingle, and we'll go through a demonstration of it if you'd it's like. Not not developed by Stevie Wonder, is it? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Stevie. Yeah. Uh, Ray, uh, next up, yeah. I, I believe it is Calandra in phone number ending in 597. You are up next. Calandra. Hey, good afternoon. And, um, I do appreciate hearing this topic. I think, you know, because I'm a Christian myself, I do believe that Jesus is coming back. Man. But if you don't, have any activities or anything like that? Are there Bible study groups that you join? 
Oh, yes. Um, I belong to a weekly Bible study group that our uh, parish uh, conducts. And we're in summer hiatus right now, but uh, every Sunday evening uh, from 7 until mm, approximately 8.30. Uh, we have been meeting via Zoom lately, but yes, I'm, I'm part of a, a Bible study there. And Calendra, I think I've, I've heard you on some of our community calls and uh, Hadley discussion groups. So good evening. Glad you're with us. Yeah, because I joined three Bible studies myself. I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Stark. Are you? He used to be a preacher on Evan 97. Is he um, hosting a community, an ACB community call? No, he is on Zoom, but he has a pretty different uh, uh, call. It can be as a community if I could get him to fill out an application because that's usually what you would have to do to be on a community list if you're going to do a call like that for Bible study. Don't you have to fill out an application to get your own call? I don't know how that works. You'd have to ask uh, Cindy about that one. Um, I think that I understand. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, yes, yeah. certainly, certainly. Uh, thank you. If, thank you. Before Colin. before we get to Ray with another participant, I just want to give another shout out to somebody who listens to In Perspective on a regular basis. Brother Nigel, you may know her. Yes, she's on several Christian lines, I believe. One in particular that I know about. Mm-hmm. She also calls my Sunday night phone chats. I'm very familiar with her. We talk a lot. Her name is Randa Hasley. The name sounds familiar, but I don't know her personally. I believe she's from either Texas or Oklahoma. Randa, forgive me for not remembering which state you're from, but it's in that neck of the woods, and, and hopefully you're listening. How are you, Randa? Okay, Ray. There are no other hands raised at this. No other hands raised. Okay. Oh, then then uh, if you don't mind, Brother Nigel, I'm I'm curious about something you said, and I, if, if it's, if it's uh, too personal, I absolutely respect that. But you talked about your conversion experience and how you had to break down some barriers of, of you. Uh, I think you said sort of being hurt. Uh, what I heard you say was being yes. hurt with your disability. Could you sort of talk about that and, and sort of how your conversion sort of, uh, you know, connected with all of that? Well, it was sure. It was basically a romantic disappointment in high school. And oh. I decided to isolate myself, you know, and uh, display, uh, my intellectual prowess, as it were, without uh, getting emotionally uh, involved uh, with too many people. And uh, I was unwittingly and not knowingly keeping even God out, not mm-hmm. realizing that that's what I was doing. And it was when I decided to start opening up and becoming a little less of an isolationist that God was able to get through that barrier that I had, you know, it was a self-erected barrier. And I was able to uh, meet him personally. Um, and how did that happen? How, how did you sort of break down those, or how did he, how did God, if you will, help you or support yeah, you in, in doing that? How, how did that happen? Well, it was, it was basically, it was a decision I knew that I had to make. And I just uh, decided that uh, I was going to get together uh, with my brother, who was a psychology major. Um, he had 
by that by this time already uh, earned his MBA, but still I figured he would be the best person to talk with. And so when I started opening up with him, and uh, it was the first time I'd actually discussed my inner feelings to somebody else. Now my brother in the flesh uh, is older than I. As I said, I was getting ready to graduate from the university. He already had, uh, obtained his uh, MBA from George Washington University. Um, so even though we did both grow up in Fort Lauderdale, he went on to the northern climb, as it were. And even though, you know, I didn't take really any of his advice because he, you know, did not become a believer until later on, uh, it was the uh, mere fact that I opened up that uh, that caused the barrier, you know, that uh, meant that the barrier was down and the Holy Spirit was then able to come in and I was able to uh, give my heart to Jesus and follow his advice regarding the same matters and his, his, you know, the leading of the Holy Spirit um, regarding the matters uh, that, that concerned me at the time. But the fact that I opened up, that I decided to take down that barrier was what started the process of my conversion. Um, phone number ending in 468. Uh, you are up next. Sorry for interrupting. No, that's fine, Ray. You did great. We're done. We're done. Uh, that's me, Reverend Ray Razor. Can you hear yes. me? Yeah, we can, yes. Reverend. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, Reverend Ray Razor, I'm the president of DC Council of the Blind. But um, I also, uh, uh, sir, I, you know, I really found it hard. I appreciate the brother here tonight because I really found it hard to uh, have uh, people with disability accepted in church. And I'm, I'm black. Okay. So in the black churches, we really have a problem, uh, embracing black, uh, black persons with disability. And it stems from when slavery, during slavery time, <clears throat> when kids were born as slaves that had a disability, they killed them. So slave, so the parents learned to compensate for their disability, uh, black kids. And that's even carried over to the day. Black people are still ashamed of having kids that has a disability. Hmm. So, um, so one of the things I did, uh, I did get a, a friend of mine in the, in the music ministry because I have a, I have a, uh, a gospel men's group called Men of Praise. And so I would go around and play the different churches and I would ask the pastor, but because we didn't charge him anything, can I, you know, make an announcement about disability? He said, Oh, Reverend Ray, we don't have any people in the church that have a disability. So after I make the announcement, when the, after we go to eat or something, I would have several people come up to me and say, Reverend Ray, I have a sister that has a disability. I don't bring her to the church because they make fun of her or something. Or somebody say, I have a cousin that has an amputated leg. So I got on the ministerial staff of a friend of mine that has a church. And what we started four, uh, three, four years ago, we started a church called St. Didymus. And if you know who St. Didymus is, he was a blind theologian in the fourth century. So mm-hmm. we started a church uh, for a person called St. Didymus Church of and for a person with disability. We, we meet Sundays from three to five so the people can go to their high churches and do what they have to do. And then they can bring their disability uh, family to our church. And we only, um, I only 
had people preach no more than 20 minutes. Uh, I have all the whoopee cushions, all the little things, you know, for the kids to spend and everything because the attention span at that long. We had the big hula hoops that sit in the floor for people that don't want to be touched and all. And we always have a special uh, 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 segment. Uh, and, and what the special segment is, we have somebody come and do a special feature about some type of product or service mm-hmm. on disability. And we, and our biggest thing is that we have a fellowship that we celebrate everybody's birthday uh, that month. And we meet for about two hours. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we started. And uh, and I'm finding it, you know, where a lot of people with disability, they are starting to bring their kids to the church. And yeah, stuff. Just, so I, I'm glad to hear, you know, that more and more people that blind is getting into, uh, you know, the ministry. So Absolutely. thank you for letting me share, and I will listen some more. Thank you. It's our pleasure very much. Right, thank next you, Reverend. Up. Next we have two minutes to go, so this might okay. be our last okay, call. Okay, so our last call. Phone number ending in uh, 638. I think it's Beth from New Mexico. Yeah, I think so too. Hi, Beth. Yes, it is. Uh, I just wanted to say, I don't think it's only the black church. I think it's other minority churches as well um, have problems with people with disabilities or something because sometimes People will take you to church, but then they won't sit with you and stuff, and they won't invite you to uh, church parties and things like that. And that's why a lot of people with disabilities don't really want to participate in churches, um, especially like the minority churches. Hmm. Uh, I notice it with the Hispanics and um, some natives, you know, and and, um, like I said, like that, other minorities like that, you know. Yes, indeed. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not sure it's just. You're doing something good. I'm not sure it's just minority churches. It, yeah, this is a huge problem in, in uh, mostly white churches as well. It may it may reflect differently in other churches, but this is a this is a, a huge problem that the churches really need to do a better job at. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for that for that comment. Thank you, Beth. Any closing any closing comments, Brother Nigel, in the last moment that we have. Well, I would just say I've appreciated the opportunity to uh, participate, and uh, I'm glad for these other these last two callers because I must say that God has blessed me that I have not encountered uh, opposition uh, from my fellow church members in terms of uh, my attending worship service. In fact, I have been very uh, welcomed, very much welcomed. Uh, and participating, and maybe I don't know why it is. I, I guess God has just bl- decided not to uh, cause me to face, have to face that challenge. But that is exactly why Dr. Montanus started the Gospel Association for the Blind, because he felt that the population of blind people was very unreached with yes. the gospel and had great challenges attending worship service. I, well, with a little blessed. more help from our Savior, I, I hopefully this problem will be rectified sooner rather than later because I it, think is, it, is being it can be on. an issue. All we can do is hope for the best and pray Amen. about it. That's Amen. True. Thank you very much, Brother Nigel, for coming on the show today. We Thank appreciate you. your time. Next week, we have Chris Peterson. He'll be a guest on our program. He's from a company called Penny Forward. We're going to find out more about that next week. 
In the meantime, I want to thank Ray, our producer, and of course, Brother Nigel and Peter and all of our participants for making this a very worthwhile program today. Go safe with God's abundant blessings, everybody. Amen. Take care. Amen.